Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ano ba ang sitwasyon ng food at agriculture sector noon? At ano mga reform ang ginawa ng mga nakaraang administrasyon para mabigyang pansin ang mga problema nito? Ito ang pinag-usapan natin sa nakaraang episode. Sa part 2 ng Usapang Pagkain at Agrikultura, tinitingnan naman natin kung ano ang kakaharapin ng sektor sa mga susunod na taon at dekada. Tatalakayin din natin ang palaging bukang bibig ng ating mga policymakers, ang modernization ng agriculture sector. Ano nga ba ang mukha ng modern agriculture sector? Ako si JC Punong Bayan. At ako naman si Cherry Madriaga. At welcome sa Usapang Econ Podcast. Ang Usapang Econ Podcast ay proyekto ng mga batang ekonomista na naglalayong gawing mas fun, relatable, at understandable ang economics. This episode is sponsored by Open Society Foundations, the world's largest private funder working to build vibrant and inclusive democracies and powered by Puma Podcast. Cherry, kung sa unang episode na pag-usapan natin ang nakaraan at kasalukuyan, dito naman, let's talk about the future. Ano naman ang mga isyu na kakaharapin ng agriculture sa mga susunod na taon? Na-mention natin yung mga climate-related events sa last episode, no, JC? So, elaborate ko lang ng konti. So, sabi ng Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change o IPCC, Ina-expect natin na patuloy na i-disrupt ng climate change ang agricultural productivity at food availability sa bansa. Imagine, JC, makakaranas tayo ng mas madalas at malalang mga extreme weather events, mga droughts, napakalakas na mga ulan at bagyo na makakasira sa ating mga pananim at palaisdaan. Mababago rin nito ang paggamit natin ng lupa. For instance, yung sea level rise maapektuhan ang ating coastal communities at makakasira ng ating freshwater aquifers dahil na-contaminate na sila ng salt water. Pero ang mga isyong ito, hindi siya parating pa lang. Andito na siya, nangyayari na siya. At lalala pa ito kung walang mitigation at management measures na gagawin ang ating gobyerno. Meron karing problema sa land. Nababawasan na kasi ang lupang nakaalat sana sa pagtatanim o pangingisda. Dulot ito ng pag-convert to commercial or residential areas dahil sa patuloy na pagtaas ng demand. For fisheries naman, patuloy ang occupation sa West Philippine Sea at encroachment ng foreign fishing vessels. Marami pang ibang shocks at nakita natin yan dahil sa COVID-19 pandemic. Balikan natin ulit si Dr. Roel Briones, ang Agriculture Policy Researcher ng Philippine Institute for Development Studies na nakausap natin sa nakaraang episode. For me, the biggest problem is baka bumalik tayo sa same old, same old. The rest of the economy will pull forward, but evermore nagsastagnate itong agricultural sector. Continually kulelat sa exports, 
sa cross-value added growth. Babagal yung pag-transform ng maraming mga workers still stuck and unable to move out because of lack of skills, especially with this pandemic. The average worker in agriculture is already the least educated. What more since the children of many of these uh, agricultural households effectively parang nahinto yung pag-aaral niya for two years. Alam mo, Cherry, malaking problema nga ito dahil parte talaga ng structural transformation ay ang paglipat ng mga tao sa ibang sektor tulad ng industry at services. Pero paano mangyayari yun kung di sapat ang skills na nakukuha nila along the way? Base sa mga kwento-kwento, nababawasan na rin ang demand for degrees patungkol sa agriculture. Kung tutuusin, okay lang naman sana kung kaunti na lang ang ating mga magsasaka kumpara noon. Marami pa rin silang pwedeng maiambag sa ating ekonomiya. Pero kailangan ding mas maging moderno ang agriculture natin. Tingnan mo halimbawa yung fertilizers at yung paggamit natin ito. So for instance, I frankly see the high cost of fertilizer as an opportunity rather than merely a crisis. It's a crisis, but it is also an opportunity to shift our agricultural technology towards that which uses less chemical-intensive farming. Even science, the latest agronomic science, accepts that if you abuse your fertilizer application, you just keep adding the, the big three, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, but ignoring the rest of the health of your farming system, you know, the microorganisms, the other nice things that go on in the farm. Uh, and then you keep unloading it with with chemicals. So uh, even science-based agriculture is moving towards a more nature-based. You know? And this will be the secret to keep yields relatively high in a more sustained way, trying to avoid uh, high greenhouse gas emission agriculture. Kasi nga, first of all, yung fertilizer mo. And in the special case of rice, pag binababad mo yan, uh, marami siyang mga methane emission, which is a potent greenhouse gas. So, Matagal na pinag-uusapan na ay, we need to change the way we, we do our agriculture, especially rice farming. Ngayong napag-usapan na natin ang mga issue, ano naman kaya ang mga reformang nilatag ng kasalukuyang administrasyon? Ah, JC, maganda siguro mag-start tayo dun sa desisyon ni Pangulong Marcos na i-head ang Department of Agriculture o DA. So bakit nga ba niya kinuha tong posisyong to? Alam mo, Cherry, sinabi ni Pangulong Marcos, malala ang mga issue sa sektor ng agrikultura. Ang paguhan niya ng posisyon ay somehow indication na minibigyan niya ang sektor ng mas mataas na prioridad, ayon sa kanya. Aniya, bilang presidente, siguro maaring mapabilis ang mga proseso. Tinanong namin si Dr. Rowell kung ano nga ba ang advantages at disadvantages ng desisyong nito ni Pangulong Marcos. So... Of course, it's up to the president to manage his time, right? Remember, th- these are two full-time positions. I would think na in practice, because he's also a full-time president, that probably he will have uh, trusted lieutenants within the department who do a lot of the day-to-day management. Ang uh, advantage yan sa agricultural sector, talagang pinaprioritize niya yung, yung DA kasi nga siya yung immediate secretary. So kung masustain yun, it's really good for agri. If there's a budget that the president would need, I would think that there will be relatively quick acquiescence from the rest of the executive. No, Ganun then in terms of coordination. So a lot of the, the issues related to agriculture will require investments in the processing and logistics that are outside 
of the Department of Agriculture, with the president doing the coordination, he can readily request or require alignment of DTI programs, for instance, because DTI is the one that would be more directly overseeing those allied agribusiness-related industries. DTI or the Department of Trade and Industry. Sila ang may mandatong i-ensure na magandang environment para sa mga businesses, lalo ng mga maliliit na negosyo. Mahalagang may maayos na coordination ang DA at DTI para malingtang mas mainam ang ating magsasaka at mangingisda sa mga magpro-process ng mga produkto at magbebenta nito sa mga consumers. Alam mo, Cherry, isa pang polisiya na gustong itulak ni Pangulong Marcos ay ang pag-transform ng Masagana 99 into Masagana 150. Ang Masagana 99 program ng kanyang ama ay inimplement noong 1973 para tugunan yung rice shortage na naranasan ng bansa dahil sa mga peste at mga bagyo. Target nito ay magkaroon sana ng 99 na kaban ng palay bawat ektarya gamit ang mga high-yielding rice varieties at murang fertilizers at pesticides. Kasama rin dito ang supervised credit scheme o pautang para makayanang makabili ang mga magsasaka ng mga teknolohiyang ito. Pero JC, hindi ba ito nagka-issue? Natatandaan kong sinabi ni dating Secretary of Finance, Sadi Dominguez III, na kinailangan niyang linisin ang mga naiwang problema ng Masagana 99. Oo, Cherry, si Secretary Dominguez kasi ang nagsilbing Secretary of Agriculture noong panahon ni Pangulong Cory Aquino. Maraming rural banks daw noon ang nabankrap o nabangkarote. Sinabi rin ng mga eksperto na nag-implement ng programang iyon na yung paggamit ng mga pesticides nakasira rin sa environment. Nawalan rin ng mga properly trained personnel. Sa madaling salita, hindi naging sustainable ang Masagana 99. So, bakit natin ito ibabalik? Pakinggan ulit natin si Dr. Rowell. So at face value, 99 to 150, that sounds good, right? So that means we need to expand supplies. And not just by expanding our land area for farming, but mainly by raising yields on the existing farmland. The plan for achieving that goal, will it copy the same Masagana 99? Or will it learn from the lessons of what worked and crucially, what didn't work? in the Masagana 99. So I'm very much in favor of it if we do the lessons learned and we don't just blindly copy the same package of programs of the Masagana 99. At that time, we relied very heavily on subsidized credit. And in fact, we subsidized credit delivered by government agencies. But now we have the law of the Agriculture and Fisheries Modernization Act. Bawal nang magpautang ang government agency. Ang pwede lang magpautang is government financial institutions na under the supervision of the BSP. O Banko Sentral ng Pilipinas. Alam mo, Cherry, maraming tinuturong dahilan kung bakit nag-fail yung Masagana 99. Pero ang naging problema ay maraming mga magsasaka na nakatanggap ng credit or pautang mula sa Masagana 99 ang hindi nakapagbayad. Mula 1973 hanggang 1979 ay bumaba yung repayment rate mula 93% hanggang 45.8%. Nalaman din ng researchers na as much as 80% o 80% ng mga loans ng Masagana 99 ang hindi na-recover at hindi nabayaran. So the so-called direct credit programs abolished na yan. So paano yan ngayon? Immediately, dead in the water yung feature na yan ng Masagana 99. Hindi mo na may implement unless you amend the law. Then, of course, the seeds 
there were seeds that were new at the time. Of course, you will now have a new batch of seeds, no? that not only are high growth, but also are resistant to the new sets of diseases and then the new challenges because of climate change. So if we can update Masagana 99, learn from its successes and failures, update it to Masagana 150, I think it will be a good program. Kung itutuloy man ito ng bagong administrasyon, kailangan nga talaga nilang itwik ito at matuto para hindi na maulit yung mga nangyari sa Masagana 99. At syempre para maging mas angkop sa mga kasalukuyang pangangailangan ng bansa. Nasabi rin ni Pangulong Marcos na kailangan pang mag-establish ng National Network ng Farm to Market Roads o FMR para tumaas ang productivity ng sektor. Kamusta na nga ba ang progreso ng paggawa ng ating FMRs? So, building a farm-to-market road, it will take three years from the time that you design it to the, at least, no, to the time that it's actually used by farmers. So, it's definitely not for a short term. But the question is, we are already laboring under the burden of underinvestment of the past decades. Problema kasi in many of these road projects, especially in rural areas, very sensitive siya dun sa projection of future traffic. Pagka-urbanized area, medyo madaling i-project yan. Pero sa rural area, sometimes the project itself changes the underlying economics of a place, of a location. And you cannot really just make a hypothesis based on the existing flows of traffic. No, What if that network actually revitalized, no? It brought in new investments to that location? And therefore, the, the traffic, uh, the, the usage, the population... Especially these are long-term assets, right? It's supposed to be kagamitin mo for 20-30 years. A lot can happen in 20-30 years in terms of the development in rural space. So uh, I think we have been historically under-investing in the most remote types of rural infrastructure. And we need to remedy that, notwithstanding our fiscal issues today. We still need to spend something for infrastructure, diba? And farm-to-market roads is definitely, for my money, one of those. JC, diba ilang beses na nating narinig na kailangan i-modernize ang agriculture sector? In fact, since 1997, meron na nga tayong batas patungkol dito, ang Republic Act 8435 o ang Agriculture and Fisheries Modernization Act of 1997. Layunin itong i-modernize at i-develop ang sektor. So, 25 years ago na simula nang maipasambatas na ito, pero ito pa rin ang bukang bibig ng ating politicians at policymakers. Ano nga ba ibig sabihin ng modernized agriculture sector? So, JC, para mas madali, magsasabi na lang ako ng keywords o elements ng modern agri-sector. Tapos, ikaw naman yung magbibigay ng mga examples or explanations. Mag-umpisa tayo sa data and science-based. Well, madalas naman mangolekta ng datos ang Department of Agriculture at Philippine Statistics Authority. Pero maari pa sana itong ma-improve, lalo kung gagawing mas accessible ang research databases na related sa food and agriculture. Importanteng gamitin natin ang mga ito para makapag-analyze, for example, ng value chains or makapag-identify ng kung anong pananim ang climate resilient. In other words, kailangan talaga ng mas mainam na datos para mapabuti natin ang research and development sa agriculture. 
Next, innovative. Hindi na pwede ang mga business as usual practices. Nakita natin ang pag-usbong ng mga digital at e-commerce platforms para sa logistics, marketing, pagbabayad o payments, at kahit sa pagpapautang ngayong pandemic. Nagiging maugong na rin ang pag-uumpisa ng urban farming lalo sa mga lugar na kulang pa ang lupa. Okay, next word, sustainable. Dito naman, dapat pataasin ang agri-fishery productivity at i-improve ang production efficiency. Pero kasabay nito, dapat i-consider din ang ating ecological limits. Ibig sabihin, for example, hindi na pwede ang basta-bastang paggamit ng fertilizers at pesticides pati ang slash and burn dahil ang resulta nito ay ang pag-deteriorate ng quality ng lupa at tubig na maaaring makapagpalala ng productivity ng ating agricultural products. For fisheries naman, may mga marine habitat areas na kailangang iprotect o i-conserve. Susunod, circular. Ito naman yung patungkol sa reverse logistics at waste processing. Halimbawa, yung wastes mula sa farming, tulad ng dayami sa pagsasakan ng palay, ay pwedeng makonvert into energy at iba pang useful materials, tulad ng fertilizers na magagamit ulit ng mga magsasaka imbis na nag-generate sila ng pollution. Diversified Ito naman yung pagtatanim ng iba't ibang pananim, hindi lang ng palay. Meron tayong mga high-value alternative staples tulad ng kamote at corn o mais. Sa bigas naman mismo, hindi lang white rice pero pwedeng iba't ibang klase ng bigas din. Kasama rin sa diversification ang pag-diversify ng farm at farm-related activities. Dito papasok halimbawa yung sinasabing interlinked crops or yung two or three crops na tinatanim at the same time at the same place. Isa pang uri ng diversification ay yung mga sakahan na nag-aak as tourism sites as well. Last na JC, inclusive at participatory. Isa sa mga programa ng DA ay ang Community-Based Participatory Action Research Program. Dito may partisipasyon ng ating local stakeholders sa paggamit ng teknolohiya para sa sakahan at pangisdaan nila. Nagkakaproblema kasi kapag ka hindi naman magamit ng ating mga magsasaka at mangingisda ang iba't ibang technologies na available dahil hindi naman to swak sa kanilang pangangailangan. Kaya kailangan collaborative ang gawa ng researchers, extension workers, at ating mga magsasaka at mangingisda. Importante rin na may social safety nets na nakalaan para sa kanila para hindi sila mapag-iwanan kapag may bagong polisiya at programang ini-implement ang gobyerno. So eto ulit tayo sa leave no one behind. Paano naman yung future labor? Asan yung mga batang magsasaka at mangingisda sa usaping modern agri? Yun nga, Cherry, eh. maraming mga tao ang concerned doon sa kawalan ng younger generation sa agriculture sector na syempre parte ng structural transformation natin. Yung mga kabataan ngayon, mga anak na mga mangingisda at magsasaka, ayaw na nila na magsaka rin at mangisda. Sa halip, gusto nila ng service sector jobs na wala na sa agriculture. Ito ang take ni Dr. Rowell Jan. So, parang similar yan sa ano. Bakit yung mga nurse, they're abandoning their fellow kababayan and uh, serving sick people abroad? And then if you see, ah, malaki yung, yung sweldo doon, three times dito sa makikita niya dito. Well, then, that's it. That's, that's your answer. So, ganun din, no? Rather than lamenting the trend, let's ask, why is this happening? Surely, the young people are doing this in their own self-interest, right? It turns out that in their assessment of their career opportunities, it really lies outside agriculture. Now, rather than fret about 
what's going to happen to agriculture. Question now is, how does agriculture adapt to this shift or this migration of labor? If you look at other countries, it's quite straightforward. They adopted labor-saving innovations. No? They did mechanization. And look, even in U.S., maybe more than a century ago, say 50-60% of their uh, workers were in agriculture. And then in a span of 30-40 years, that 60% became 2%. And they still became the export powerhouse of food. So what happened? Well, because they adopted along the way dramatic labor-saving innovations. So now at, at the forefront are the John Deere's of these various tractors, machines, all of these productivity enhancements. So really, we should really review all of these and make sure that all of these structural na balakid that lead to one lament na, oh no, lumalayas yung mga worker, forgetting that it's actually our own policies that are contributing to that thing we are lamenting. Now, let's be consistent, guys. Ano ba yan, JC? Umabot na tayo ng dalawang episodes pinag-uusapan ang food at agriculture sector. Pero, katiting pa lang ito ng mga problema na nararanasan natin. Oo nga, Cherry. Sa dami ng mga issues sa agriculture sector, pwede pa sanang isang episode or pwede ngang isang buong season ng podcast natin tungkol sa agriculture lang. <laughs> so, enumerate ko lang ha. Meron ka ng natural hazards, may pandemic ka pa, may mga man-made shocks ka rin na makakaapekto sa sektor. Ang hirap-hirap. Kaya dito papasok ang gobyerno. And by government, I mean the entire government. So, kailangan nito ng whole-of-nation approach. Favorite itong gamiting term, pero totoo naman. Hindi pwedeng isang ahensya lang ang gumagalaw. Lalo kung gusto natin magkaroon ng tunay na modern agriculture sector na ikakaproud naman natin. Muli, ako si JC Punong Bayan. At ako naman si Cherry Madriaga. You've been listening to The Usapang Econ Podcast, powered by Puma Podcast. I-follow ang Usapang Econ Podcast sa Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen. Sundan nyo rin kami sa aming blog sa usapangecon.com. I-like at i-follow nyo rin kami sa Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at LinkedIn. Maaari rin kayong mag-subscribe sa aming YouTube channel. Salamat sa audio editor ng episode na ito na si Joe Salcedo at sa producer namin na si Macy Hoven. Maraming salamat din kay Dr. Roel Briones ng PITS para sa panayam. Kung nagustuhan niyo ang episode na ito, please share it with a friend. Dahil ang economics ay para sa lahat. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.